This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to an episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We have Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, one more day, one more day until the Jets open up their season against the Carolina Panthers. How are you feeling 24 hours in advance? I'm feeling good. I just made the flight down to Carolina a couple of days ago and I'm going to be in the building for the game. So I'm excited. It feels like we've been waiting for this. I mean, we live, literally have been waiting for like five months. But it feels like even longer than that. It's and it's something you don't get with any other game in the season. Anticipating one matchup, that being your next game for like half of a calendar year, it's a really weird phenomenon that doesn't get matched with any other part of the schedule. So, um, especially with this matchup and just all the storylines behind it, I'm really excited. I I completely agree with you. I think that opening week always just has a special feel around it, but this one is, is different. And I don't know if it's just because of the, you know, the whole Sam Darnold matchup or all the excitement that's been building all offseason. But I, I literally cannot wait uh, much longer for this game. Um, so, uh, like you said, like every opening week has a sense of excitement around it. But this one in particular, I think, is one of the more anticipated ones. Uh, I just can't wait to see him back in the field. Before we get into our preview podcast, which is coming out a little late, our apologies on that. We still have a day until the game, but we're fine. Uh, we do have a, a sponsorship to read out because the NFL season is back. I mean, sports gambling is back. And we've partnered with DraftKings uh, to bring you a special offer. So fire up your tailgates. The NFL is back. Get in on the action before opening night kicks off with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving all customers the opportunity to participate in this year's no-brainer offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, don't miss out. DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 or more on any football game. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code COOLYOURJETS. That's right, we're sellouts. New customers bet $1 on any football game to receive $200 in free bets instantly with the promo code COOLYOURJETS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports, sports betting partner of the NFL. Michael, with that out of the way, let's hop into the preview podcast. I've been waiting to do these for a long time. I, I really enjoyed doing them last season, the, the preview recap. Um, there's so much to go over in this game. There's so many different debuts and storylines and matchups to watch. And it's really, I think it's, it's a, you know, take all the storylines out of it. I just think it's a fun matchup just team wise. I just think these two teams have uh, strengths that capitalize on the other's weaknesses. They're both uh, very unique in what they like to do schematically. It's just a great game, a great opening one, but we all know the biggest storyline. And that's Zach Wilson's debut, at least from the Jets perspective, it's Zach Wilson's debut. How does he look? Because even if Sam Darnold goes out there and plays a great game, it doesn't matter if Zach Wilson plays a great one, too. So 
I'll open it up with this, Michael. Carolina runs a very unique different uh, defense. It's one that stifled Aaron Rodgers last season. Uh, they, they run a lot of dime three, three, five, a lot of three safety looks. I mean, they, they're a very unique defense and maybe that's just due to Matt rule and the college coaching staff. He kind of assembled, but they're a fast defense and they were a good one last year. And they're going to be even better this year. What do you think is the best game plan that Michael Flores should be rolling out for Zach Wilson's debut um, to try to give him, you know, the confidence to, to keep building on this week, but also, you know, not, not, you know, rain, not let him, you know, throw himself out of the game, you know, keep him within the game, but also give him something to, to work with. Yeah. I think like you mentioned, this is a really unique Carolina defense that has some extreme things that they do relative to the rest of the league. They ran the most cover three in the league last year. And a lot of that they rotated into post snap. So they are a defense that does some of those creative things that can confuse a young quarterback like Zach Wilson, forcing him to identify things that change after the snap. So I think the biggest key to that, and Vitor Payava did a great breakdown of it at Jets X Factor on film, but um, a big part of that is you want to punch, punish them on the ground so you don't put Wilson into those obvious passing situations where the, the defense knows he's passing, the pass rushers, which is, I think, the strength of their defense, Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick, who they added through free agency. Those and guys, Derek to, Brown of middle. Exactly, who's probably going to have a second-year breakout, just like Quinn Williams had last year. Um, so you don't want to give those guys opportunities, pin their ears back, force Zach Wilson to have to make difficult reads post-snap. You want to get him into second and short. You want to avoid third down altogether um, by running the ball effectively. And I think the run defense is the weakness of their defense. Because, look, they do a lot of unique things, but they still weren't good last year. Um, they were a bottom-half defense in pretty much every category, and that's mostly because of their run defense which was really bad. And they don't have a ton of great pieces against the run. Derek Brown could take a step up this year, be really good. But in the secondary, they have a lot of guys who miss a lot of tackles, struggled against the run last year. And their two edge rushers, Burns and Reddick, that could be one of the best pass rushing duos in the league on the edge. But against the run, they're below average. So, And I think the run blocking is the strength of the Jets' offensive line. So the key is going to be – going heavy on the earlier downs, you know, get a tight, get a tight end in there, get an extra, get a fullback in there or get an extra tight end in there um, and punish them on the ground. Make those defensive backs have to play the run, make those guys on the edge, run themselves out of the play uh, and catch them with draw plays and runs up the middle that you can expose them on and put Zach Wilson into those favorable third down situations, or like I said, avoid those third downs altogether. So um, this is his debut, and it's a tough defense to debut against because they have good edge rushers. They do a lot of rotating post-snap, um, and they get a lot of speed on the field, playing three-three-five a lot with three D-linemen, three linebackers, and five defensive backs. So um, it's tough defense to debut against, like I said, so you want to be able to help him out as much as you can. And I think that all starts with the run game. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, Zach, schedule-wise, the Jets don't have an incredibly difficult schedule, especially when you look at the QBs they play. But for Zach Wilson to start his career, I mean, he's going to have to go up against this very exotic Carolina defense, like you mentioned. It's going to give him some headaches. They're going to try to confuse him. You know they're going to send pressure. Then week two, he has to face the rookie quarterback killer and Bill Belichick. Week three, he's got to go face Vic Vangio. Um, uh, with the Denver Broncos. So it's just like a really tough opening. I guess you could throw Mike Vrabel in there week four. 
Um, not as much, but like the first few weeks of Zach Wilson's career are definitely going to test him. And it's going to be different than the preseason. He's going to struggle a little bit more than the preseason. But I think that thing that was encouraging about the preseason, it was just a competent offense. The play calling really worked well off of you know of each other. They gave Zach some easy gimme throws. They rolled him out of the pocket. They did a lot of the things that Jets fans were, you were, you know, uh, clamoring that the Jets would do for, for Sam Darnold, just help him out a little bit schematically. And the other thing that's going to be huge in this game that we didn't get to see at all during the preseason is Elijah Vera Tucker and Elijah Moore. Those two guys are back. And, and I, I, I love what Elijah Moore is going to bring to this offense in terms of how he's going to open it up, the explosiveness. But I love maybe even more so what Elijah Vera Tucker is going to bring to this offense, pairing him next to Mekhi Becton. Like you said, pound the rock all day. I'm starting Ty Johnson in my flex and fantasy. I think that I think that is I think you're right. I think that is the Jets' path to success. Now the thing is, if the defense can't hold up, if if the Panthers do go on a bit of an offensive explosion, are the Jets going to be able to run the ball as much as they want? I mean, I think that's a big key for them is to stay within the game so they don't have to open up the playbook and get predictable. Because you're right, if they can run the football, control the clock. I don't think Zach Wilson had a single three and out the entire preseason. It's preseason, but if he can move the football just like he was in the preseason. Uh, and building the, the passing game off the the run and play action, I think I think the Jets are going to be in good shape. Um, before we do switch to the defense, and we got to talk about a, a former ex quarterback in a minute. It was announced on Friday that no Jameson Crowder in this game. Hopefully, he's back week two. It's just the, the COVID protocols, so we'll see about that. Potentially, no uh, Keelan Cole with a knee injury. He'll be a game time decision. So, Michael, my question to you is this. When we're talking about the game plan for Zach Wilson and what the Jets want to do, let's say Keelan Cole's out. We know Jameson Crowder's out. Who do you think is is taking that those third receiver uh, reps? Obviously, you know you're going to have Corey Davis. You're going to have Elijah Moore. Do you think that the Jets would slide in Braxton Berrios in the slot and re- completely replace Crowder? Do you think they would move uh, Elijah Moore into the slot and try to have Denzel Mims or, or even Jeff Smith or somebody on the outside? How do you think the Jets would – um, would roll out their wide receiver um, unit if there were no Keelan Cole in addition to Jameson Crowder? Well, I think the beauty of Elijah Moore is that his versatility allows you to do a lot of different things to uh, be able to adapt when you have injuries like this. He obviously can play in the slot. He mostly played in the slot at Ole Miss and was one of the best slot receivers in the country. But he can play outside too, the few instances that he did. Not even few. He did do it. You know, it was a part of his game. He's just mostly in the slot. Um, but he can play outside, whether that's X or Z. He can do it all. And he actually can. Like, we're not just saying that. Hypothetically, it's literally on his tape. You can go watch. He was doing it, um, doing damage in every single role. So you know he can do everything. And that will allow the Jets to, I think, employ a really even mix of those other three guys that they have between Mims, Barrios, and Jeff Smith. So, I think you could see some looks where Mims and or where Corey Davis and Elijah Moore stay on the outside and then Braxton Berrios comes into the slot or Jeff Smith comes into the slot or you can even put Jeff Smith outside more inside. But I think mostly I, I do think that Denzel Mims in 11 personnel situations, which they're not going to do a lot. This is right. mostly going to be a 12 right. and 21 personnel offense and 11 will mostly be on third downs. Um, but in those situations, I do think primarily you will see Denzel Mims come come in, play on the outside, and then kick more inside to the slot because I think that is you know your best three man unit. So in terms of talent, with uh, Jameson Crowder and Keelan Cole out, so um, this is going to be a big opportunity for Mims to um, show that he can play alongside those two guys and prove to the Jets that that is their best three man unit and 
kind of stake his claim to that wide receiver three role uh, with Crowder and Cole out if Cole does miss the game. But overall, I think we'll see a lot of all three guys. But I do think Mims will be the biggest beneficiary. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, the Jets have some sort of wide receiver depth this year. Uh, I, I agree. I think they're going to be in a lot of 12 personnel, which is going to be interesting considering tight end depth isn't a strength on this team, but I guess you're going to see a lot of Ryan Griffin. Let's see if he can return to the 2019 form as much as I want. And I, I do really want to see this unit. And I think you will see it on Sunday, regardless if Keelan Cole plays or not is the, the Davis Mims and more unit, which I think is a really good red zone package for the jets. I want to see a lot of that, but I think in this matchup in particular, I think the Jets are going to try to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. So I think you're obviously going to see it in play action when they are in those heavier uh, situations with an extra tight end or a fullback. But when they do go 11 personnel, I kind of think that they might use more Braxton Berrios in the slot or Jeff Smith just because they can utilize those wide receiver screens. They can utilize those short passes, those yards after the catch. I kind of feel like they don't want Zach Wilson holding the ball for, for too long in this game because, like you mentioned, the strength of this Carolina Panthers defense – is their pass rush and they're going to run so many exotic coverages that you just want to avoid those. Like you said, those passing situations, um, those obvious passing situations as much as possible. So when they do pass, I kind of feel like they, when they do go 11 personnel, I kind of feel like they might keep it with their, their speed unit instead of their size unit, but it's something to monitor. And I certainly hope we see it a lot in the red zone because, you know, Robert Sala said Mims had a good week of practice this week. Uh, obviously he lost some of the hype over the summer, but this is still a guy that I think everybody is, is really excited about in this fan base. Speaking about somebody, everybody in the Jets fan base used to be excited about Sam Darnold, Michael, and you've really turned heel when it comes to Sam Darnold. You are not a fan at all. In fact, you're like probably his number one hater. You should see some of the direct messages Michael sends me regarding Sam Darnold. What do you think, objectively speaking, what do you think are his biggest strengths and what are his biggest weaknesses? In other words, what can the Jets defense capitalize on and what do they have to be weary of? Try to be unbiased as unbiased as possible. Well, I I do think the biggest key is um, just putting pressure on him. Just like, obviously this is a key for every single quarterback, every single game in the league this week, throughout the season, throughout the rest of history, putting pressure on the quarterback is the primary goal for the defense. But for Sam Darnold, I think he is especially bad under pressure compared to, the rest of the quarterbacks in the league. He just hasn't shown that he can operate effectively in any way under pressure because every quarterback is worse under pressure, but the best quarterbacks take smaller or their production dips less when they're pressured than the worst quarterbacks in the league. The worst quarterbacks like Darnold has been like some of the other young quarterbacks or quarterbacks that fizzled out become completely unplayable. They get pressured and it's over. But like we saw Dak Prescott in this game against the Buccaneers and their offensive line played good, but there were instances where he was pressured really quickly or off the edge, up the middle, and he would hang in there and make throws and the Cowboys scored 29 points. Should have been over 30 if they made kicks because he didn't drop off under pressure. He continued to play well. So I think Sam Darnold, and he has issues even when the pocket is clean, but um, if you can put pressure on him, he just hasn't been able to show that he can respond to that. He, Forcing turnovers is a big part of it. He's 0-12 in his career when he has at least two turnovers. And he's 500 when he has less than two turnovers. He's 13-13. and So I think as long as the Jets can win with that four-man rush and be able to pressure him without having to sacrifice extra defenders and leave those young young players in the secondary and at linebacker vulnerable, um, 
then I think they should have a really good chance of succeeding on defense. Um, and I think Carolina is going to try to do exactly what the Jets are going to try to do with Wilson, make it easy on him, call rollouts away from the left side where they have Cameron Irving left tackle towards the right side where they have Taylor Moten, who's their best player on the offensive line by far. Um, I think they're going to try to scheme up a lot of production for him, quick releases, rollouts, screens, make those cornerbacks tackle. If you can't have the protection to hold up and attack them downfield, get the ball out quick, make those guys tackle. It's another way to put pressure on them. So I think that the Panthers are going to be doing a lot of the things that uh, the Jets are going to be doing with Wilson to try to make things easier on Darnold, take pressure off the offensive line. Um, From a Jets perspective, it just comes down to those um, guys up front being able to win their battles one-on-one without help. So the Jets can account for their weaknesses in the secondary by having more defenders and not having to blitz to create pressure on Darnold. Yeah, the fascinating part about this game, because we talk about with Wilson how the, the, the Panthers are going to try to confuse him with those post-snap rotations and just confusing exotic looks. You know, the Jets, because they're so inexperienced in the secondary and the linebackers, and Jeff Ulbrich kind of had an interesting quote about this, which he was essentially saying that, like, even if schematically in the game that might be the right answer, we don't want to, you know, for the sake of our young guys and their development, it might not be the answer. Let's try to keep things simple for them. Let's get them some reps. You know, let's get them comfortable. So I, I do really wonder how vanilla they're going to keep it. It is week one. They're starting so many rookies. I mean, the linebackers in this scheme, in this wide nine scheme, have such a pressure on them. And the fact that the Jets are starting two rookies, not just that, two day three rookies out there, that I think the Jets are going to keep it pretty vanilla, which definitely bodes in Carolina's favor. Now, the, the way that the Jets can get away with that is if their front four is getting pressure. And obviously, this is a matchup we wanted to talk about. I guess we can talk about it right now. This is the Jets' path to victory, is the Panthers' offensive line. I mean, that is the weakness of their team, and the defensive line of the Jets is still probably the strength of their team. If Carl Lawson was playing, I'd feel a lot more confident about this game. But the Jets still have Quinn and Williams coming back. We haven't seen them all preseason. The Jets have John Franklin Myers. They have Sheldon Rankins, Bryce Huff, Shaq Lawson. They do have a Alonzo Fetacasi. They do have a really deep defensive line, and we're going to learn a lot about them in this game. You know, can this four-man rush – get after the quarterback and if they're not how much is Sala going to and Ulbrich going to adjust how much more pressure they're going to throw at him and how much more strain are they going to put on their inexperienced DBs and linebackers so Michael my question to you is uh, this Panthers offensive line this Jets defensive line how can the Jets where where do the Jets have the advantage I guess I should say in that matchup well this is a Panthers offensive line and it doesn't get enough attention because the Panthers do have a lot of interesting talent across their roster, especially on offense. Legitimate talent. But the offensive line is half of your offense, and it's an extremely important part of succeeding. And it doesn't get enough attention that the Panthers have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They just do. Outside of Taylor Rowan at right tackle, who's very good, probably top five right tackle, they're bad at the other four spots. Cameron Irving at left tackle is bad. He was a bust and is consistently one of the worst left tackles in the league. Um, at left guard, they have – well, at right guard, actually, uh, John Miller is their starter, who's not good himself, but he's going to miss that game, and he's going to uh, be replaced by a sixth-round rookie from this year, uh, Deontay Brown. At center, Matt Paradis, who I wanted the Jets to sign a couple years ago, was very good with the Broncos. He's been mediocre since joining the Panthers. And at left guard, they have Pat Elfline, who was very bad for the Jets last season. 
Um, and like people want to talk about Sam Darnold being under pressure and now he's in Carolina and the situation's better. Pat Elfline was one of the top reasons that his situation was bad last year, the top three near the end of the season. So it's not entirely better when the offensive line is as bad as it is. So um, I think other than at right tackle, where Moen is a very good player, or maybe the best player on the offense outside of McCaffrey. Um, they have opportunities to win at all the other DJ spots. DJ Moore slander there, okay. Not slander. It's more praise for Taylor Moen, how good he is. Okay, you know? all right. Um, but they have advantages at all the other spots. I think you look at the right side against Cameron Irving, man, if Shaq Lawson were playing, or no, Carl, if Carl Lawson were playing, um, that would be about as big of a mismatch as you could have. They don't have Carl Lawson, but they do Shaq Lawson, who is still very good and I think can cause a lot of damage against Irving. And I think, I think Bryce Huff is supposed to start, at least according to their depth chart. Yeah, it looked, it, based on the depth chart, it looked like Franklin Myers would actually be the right defensive end against Irving and Bryce Huff on the left side against Moten. So um, whoever, anyone should be a mismatch on that right side against the left tackle. Um, Quinn and Williams against Pat Elfline is the biggest mismatch in this entire game on either side of the ball. I, I think even including the Panthers receivers against the Jets rookie corners, I think it's even bigger than that because we don't know who the Jets rookie cornerbacks are, but we know who Pat Elfline is. And he was the, one of the worst pass protecting guards in the league in each of the past few seasons. We know that. And we know Quinn and Williams is already an elite defensive tackle and probably could be even better based on how much he improved in the second half of last season and how young he is and how much talent he has. So that matchup, because Quinn usually lines up to the right side, faces the left guard the majority of the time for his pass row snaps. He's going to get a lot of paddle flying this game, and that is a massive problem. And then at center, Perrin is pass protected pretty well last year but his run blocking wasn't so good. So I think fully in the fully Fadakasi at no tackle against him is a mismatch that could help the jets cover up some of their other issues in the run game, the rookie linebackers, their edge defenders aren't that great against the run, but I think they have a big mismatch in the run game with fully against Paradis. Uh, then at the right guard spot, you'll probably see a lot of Sheldon Rankins there, John Franklin Myers kicking inside a little bit of Quinn. when he rotates over against Deontay Brown, a second year guy or a rookie this year, uh, six-round pick. Well, actually, Deontay Brown isn't the guy starting there. Um, it's going to be Dennis Daly, um, who's a third-year player, but he's also pretty bad. So um, it's not a good unit, and I think that across the board, the Jets have uh, good matchups. But Moten really is the biggest X factor. I was doing some research on him earlier, and last year he was a very important part of their success. When he gave up zero pressures last year, which was half of his games, the Panthers went five and three. When he gave up at least one pressure, the Panthers were 0-8. So when their only good offensive lineman is getting beat, then they have nothing and it all crumbles. But when he's playing well, they do have enough talent, or at least they showed last year, um, even without McCaffrey, that they can overcome it. So I think the biggest – the Jets have mismatches across the board, but if they can – whoever lines up against Moen can have success and make it five – liabilities across the board which is a hard thing to do because he's a great player then the Jets would be in really good shape yeah I mean look you could say it for any game pretty much ever but it's more true in this this game for sure is that it's going to be one in the trenches it's going to be who's who can protect their quarterback more and I feel maybe more confident about the Jets offensive line against the Panthers defensive line than 
I would about the Panthers offensive line against the Jets defensive line. It's such a bummer that Carl Lawson isn't playing because that was going to win the Jets, single-handedly win the Jets games this year, just the pressure that him and Quinton were going were gonna to create. But look, it's that next man up mantra. Somebody else has to step up on the edge because interior wise, you're not going to get much better than what the Jets have there, especially if Quinton Williams continues to ascend. I love what I saw from Sheldon Rankins in the preseason. Obviously, if JFM kicks inside on pass rushing downs, you have Foley Fadakasi. I think that's just a great unit for the Jets. But it's at edge where it's like, all right, right now, like if the Jets are starting Bryce Huff and John Franklin Myers, I think that's a good edge for the Jets. But it's not game-changing. And that's kind of what Carl Lawson was going to bring. The big X factor is if somebody at that edge spot can really step up and become a difference maker. Nobody's going to replace Carl Lawson. They don't have to be TJ Watt or Miles Garrett or anybody like that. But if they can have somebody on the edge who can reliably, like the Calvin Pace of, of those 2010, 2009 Jets teams, who can just kind of reliably get after the quarterback, create some sort of pressures. They don't have to be a, a world beater. But I think that's John Flanken Myers. I think that is, I mean, obviously he's so dominant in the interior. The question is, is does that translate outside where he's going to be a little slower, but he's going to have the size advantage. Um, I still kind of think, I mean, I guess, I guess in the depth chart, they switched it, but I kind of think he will line up with Moda and at least that's what we saw in the, in the preseason. And then that gave, you know, that Leo spot to Bryce Huff or Shaq Lawson, but maybe if they're anticipating Lawson, maybe they switch him and move Franklin Myers over into that Leo spot. I'm curious to see what the jets do with their deployment. Yeah. I think it'll be um, really but, rotation heavy. I don't think there's, because I think definitely. when Carl Lawson was going to play, he was just going to be right side pretty much all the time. And then they yeah. would be rotating on the other side. But now I think both sides, there's going to be a lot of movement. Absolutely. And, and look, you'll be able to tell how the jets are looking in this game within the first few drives. And it's, if the jets can get pressure on Sam Darnold with that four man rush, I like their chances of winning this game. I mean, it, it's pretty much that simple. I, like you said, Sam Darnold does not deal with pressure well. Um, and if they can get in his face with just the four, they can drop you know the other seven into coverage, and I like the Jets' chances a lot more. But as we mentioned a little bit earlier, because they're so inexperienced, they're going to probably keep it pretty vanilla. And because of all the weapons Sam Darnold has, and look, th- he is going into his fourth season. So while Sam Darnold certainly struggled to read the field, that was arguably his biggest issue. Um, he is a veteran. I, I know we already had this debate a thousand times, but he is a veteran in this league. If you're going to keep it vanilla and he has the talent around him with McCaffrey and that receiving unit, if his, if his offensive line can hold up, I think this is going to be a long day for the Jets defense. Um, let's talk about that matchup because I think it's the biggest mismatch on the entire. I mean, there's two that really favor the Panthers outside of the offensive line. We'll start with the biggest one in the game. I think on either side, the biggest mismatch, at least right now, and we'll see how they play, Panthers receivers versus Jets corners. And, you know, look, anything can happen. I I think with the reps that you're going to see, we saw a lot of promise out of the slot corners this preseason. I actually feel pretty confident about that spot moving forward. I do still like Bryce Hall, but he's, you know, like he's a fifth round draft pick from a year ago who didn't even play a full season last year. And then, opposite him there's going to be some day three rookies so it's like this is going to be rough and like scheme doesn't necessarily need elite corners but like let's not downplay it the jets corners are bad and it's going to be an achilles heel for this defense all year long the hope is is if the pressure can get after it and you're not going to put as much pressure no pun intended on the the defensive backs look and they have a veteran safety unit between Marcus May and Marcus Joyner and the scheme is going to help them out maybe it won't be as noticeable and look maybe the guys will develop throughout the year with the reps but week one 
I I don't love this matchup. I guess Michael, take us through the corner on receiver matchups for the Jets versus the Panthers. Well, I, I think on the positive side, there is one matchup that I think that you don't necessarily feel good about, but I think maybe they could be even. Okay. I think in the slot where you'll have Terrace Marshall, who's a rookie himself, had a great preseason. I believe he was third in the league in receiving in the preseason. Talented guy and probably is a bright future, but he's a rookie himself too. And the Jets will have a young player in there as well, whether it's Javelin Gidry or Michael Carter II. Uh, and both of those guys kind of have similar positive track records going for them too. They were both great this preseason. Gidry played well in the few games he played near the end of last season. So I think that slot matchup, and, and Marshall did, uh, he's not necessarily a guy you'd think of as slot receiver in terms of size, but in the preseason, he was, uh, he led the team in terms of the percentage of his snaps that were in the slot. So it looks like he will be that guy for them, while Robbie and DJ Moore stay on the outside where they were last year. Um, obviously interchangeable, it's not the same every single snap, but that's the primary role. So I think in that matchup, the Jets can hold up. But on the I, outside, I have a question for you. I have yeah, a question for yeah. you. In the- kind of segues into what you're just about to talk about. Um, DJ um, pointed out on Twitter that potentially he thought that maybe the Jets could slide Gidry outside and play Michael Carter the second because Saul said there he thinks they're both starters in this league. They both had great training camps and preseasons. Gidry's a little on the small side, but look, there are, there are small 5'10 corners uh, in this league, and he's blazing fast. Do you think that there's a possibility that Gidry – and Carter the second would both be starting corners week one. Well, uh, Jeff Ulbrich did say it was an interesting quote. I don't know if he's just bluffing, doesn't want to reveal anything, or if they really will do this. But he said that he expects. I think he said, yeah, he said he expects every young cornerback to play. He said they're going to do a committee, and that they're not just going to be playing two which, starting corners. Which is which is weird because Salah said the exact opposite like two weeks ago. Yeah, so so, so maybe that's something to read into. Maybe not, but. <laughs> Uh, that is an interesting way to look at it because, you know, pure talent wise, I think everyone can agree that their best three corners as of right now, just based on what we've seen would be hall followed by Gidry and Michael Carter, the second very early. All we've seen are a few preseason games. This could all change in a few days after we see one real game. But as of right now, I think those are the guys, the three best track records. So that is one way to go about it. But I don't, I feel like Carter, the second might have a better chance of doing that because he did play a lot on the outside in college last year Gidry I feel like his skill set is kind of like Brian I, he reminds me a lot of what Brian Poole did with the Jets Poole it was never really pure man-to-man coverage skills with him he was just great in zone coverage you'd click and close make every tackle never botch his responsibility uh, and he made an impact that way and I feel like Gidry is similar where it's just click and close ability knows his role I don't know if he has the pure coverage skills to play in the outside where I think, whereas I think Carter the second does have that. And he also has slightly better size. They both have great speed. Um, so I, I would think Carter second might be better for that, but I think it is a possibility. We'll, we'll see it, what they it, do. It would be interesting though, to throw them out there with no out. I mean, I don't think they, either of them got um, outside reps in practice. I mean, unless they're be getting them this, this past week. I mean, obviously, if that was their plan, they would be doing that. But all throughout training camp and preseason games, they didn't get many reps outside. So that kind of leads me to believe – I think it's going to be Eccles. But I yeah, think I it's agree. certainly something to monitor throughout the season. Um, and, like, you, maybe you'll even see week one regardless of their initial plan um, because I agree. I think that their three best corners right now are Gidry Hall and, and Carter II. Um, but it seems like Eccles has made an impression on the coaching staff and he should have a pretty good shot at, at 
at starting week one. Uh, and then yeah. we'll see where Pinnock and, and Dunn fit in. But obviously you were getting to the two outside receivers, which include a, a former Jet as well, who you didn't sound too high on when we were talking about him earlier this week. You kind of think that he might be slightly overrated. Yeah, I think and, – and I'm a big Robbie Anderson fan. I always thought when he was with the Jets he had a 1,000-yard potential in a better situation, which he obviously did go out and do last year. But I just think the way I, – I, the 1,000-yard receiver I saw was more – of like a Brandon Cooks type of player based on his explosiveness um, and making big plays efficiently. But Robbie did last year and he played well. It was his best season. I'm not taking anything away from it. He's a good player, but I think people look at him now. He had about 1100 yards last year. He had 95 catches and people look at him as a legitimate star receiver, but his efficiency last season was exactly the same as it was the previous year with the jets, 8.1 yards per target exact same number um first down or touchdown on 36 percent of his targets exact same number as the previous season they just threw him the ball a lot more they barely use him as a deep threat he caught a much higher percentage of his targets and got much less out of those the receptions that he did make because he is mostly just catching just little curl routes and slants drags just easy stuff underneath that that frankly most players can do it wasn't necessarily that what he did impressive last season was the opposite of what he became known for. He had great hands, very rarely dropped the ball, was very consistent on a game-to-game basis. That's what was really impressive what he well, did last And season. the other thing is, is that because he's such a good deep threat, it opens up stuff underneath for him because corners are worried about getting burned deep. So he, he does right. bring that to the game. Right, and I, I think that's where the production comes from because they have so much respect for what he can do deep that basically the Panthers fed into that all season. And, you know, we're just like, if you're going to play off of him, we're going to keep throwing 10-yard passes to him all season. So that's what he did. I think my point is just that he wasn't necessarily a game-changing player in terms of the plays he made, whereas with the Jets, he did have – where he wasn't as consistent, which was partially his fault, partially not. But he was a game-changing deep threat who made plays that other guys just can't make in terms of the contested deep catches he made, the speed he had. Whereas with the Panthers last year, he did a lot of easier stuff. But like you said, it is largely a product of just the threat of his speed. But hes I think he's just much different of a player than who people thought he was. Last season, his consistency was great. He had at least 39 yards in 14 of his games, which 39 is not a high number. But a lot of guys will have 200 yards and will have zero, and will have 100, and will have 10. But he was just game by game being relied upon to produce at a good level. So I just think he's a different player than what he was he's not a guy who at least in terms of last season was the Robbie Anderson of old in terms of taking the top off the defense he was much more of a consistent death by a thousand paper cuts type of guy whereas DJ Moore was more so of the big play guy he's the one who averaged 18 yards of reception and made a lot of their big plays I think obviously and I think which most people would agree with Moore is the guy who's uh, much more so of the big play threat between the two but um, but yeah, I think the Panth- like we talked about earlier, I think the Panthers are going to test uh, the Jets' corners in terms of tackling. They're going to get the ball out quickly, especially with McCaffrey, make, the- make those cornerbacks prove they can tackle. Um, but in terms of the downfield game, it all just comes down to the pass rush. If the Jets' pass rush dominates the O-line as much as they have the potential to, it's going to be hard for Darnold to get the time to even test the corners down the field. But if they can hold up, then they will get that opportunity. And then at that point, it comes down to 
is Darnold going to capitalize and hit those throws because deep accuracy was one of his biggest weaknesses with the Jets. It's something that he consistently struggled with. He showed a lot of potential in the intermediate range and the short range, I think. In those two areas, he was close to average maybe. But in the deep game, he was consistently one of the least accurate passers in the league. So even if he does get the time to make those throws, is he going to capitalize on, on them? So that's a big question as well. But, uh, but this is definitely the primary mismatch for the Jets in this game. And if, if the offensive line can hold up, then regardless of Sam Darnold's accuracy or anything, the corners could get toasted so badly he doesn't have to be per- perfectly accurate to make those throws. So um, as long as the offensive line holds up, then the corners are going to be in that spotlight for sure. Yeah, and then the last matchup I definitely want to focus on. Well, actually, before we get to that, um, who do you think I, – I guess the, the Jets' corners will probably play more sides than, than follow. So I guess Bryce Hall will, will get an equal amount of Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. I was going to say, who do you think Robbie Anderson is going to toast for, um, for a deep touchdown? Because we both know that's going to happen. Well, you're, you're right. So that is the way they play in the preseason. Hall is mostly left side. So I guess the other corner, whoever it is, or if they do rotate, will be playing right side. And Moore and Robbie last season pretty much rotated evenly. So they'll see a, bo- a bunch of both corners. I, ho- I, don't, I don't think it's Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall doesn't really – he does a good job of staying back, keeping things in front of him. I don't think he's a guy who's going to get toasted a lot, even if he's not great, I think. He'll mostly more so allow things under than over. Um, but I, I actually think this is a great candidate if he does play. Jason Pinnock, that was his game in college. He had more interceptions than any other player or corner on this roster in college. Has great length, a lot of upside, had a lot of great reps where he locked guys down, squeezed them to the sideline. But he also gave up a lot of long touchdowns, a lot, among the most in the entire country. So – He's a, a guy who can very yeah, much so he's be not flying with one. So that type I mean, he could. That's the type of situation. I think it's gonna be Eccles. It's gonna be Eccles. It's it'll be Eccles. They don't they just the, the the benefit I'm not saying is that the Panthers have to prepare for multiple corners, but it's gonna be Eccles. Um the last matchup we should focus on, and this is another one, you know, where I feel like the Jets have the advantage in the defensive line versus offensive line. Panthers clearly have the advantage in the receivers versus DBs. This one is also in the in the Panthers' favor. Uh, and I think it's probably the biggest X factor in this whole game. It's the Jets linebackers versus Christian McCaffrey, who McCaffrey is probably the best player on the field um, and for either side, I would say. Uh, and he's such a difference maker, and he can do so many different things that this Jets linebacker unit is going to be tested. And it's going to have two – day three rookies starting and obviously and a guy in CJ Mosley who hasn't played in two years who look, I love CJ Mosley. I think he's going to, he's, I think he's in store for a nice season, um, but he hasn't played in two years. He's going to be rusty in this system. You wonder why Saul is a linebacker coach, why Olbrich comes from the linebackers. This system puts so much stress on, on their linebackers and Sherwood, it came out that Sherwood. And I, I mentioned this like a month and a half ago, just based off the way the death threat was listed. Sherwood is the middle linebacker. He's the Mike linebacker. And it'll be Jer- Jared Davis when he gets back. Mosley is going to play uh, the Sam linebacker. He's going to be playing left outside linebacker, and, and Hamza is the weak uh, weak side linebacker. So it's you're putting a lot on a guy in Jamie and Sherwood to to really have to step up into this role. And and you know I, I think that is a spot where, if I'm just being honest, I don't think the Jets are going to have a good game here. 
uh, it, when it comes to containing Christian McCaffrey. If look at the front four, specifically Fadakasi and Quinnen can get in the backfield and just dominate this Panthers offensive line. That's one thing, but you know, when McCaffrey, the receiver comes out and Darnold, the checkdown artist comes out, how are the Jets linebackers responding? Michael, how do you see this matchup going for the Jets with the return of Mosley and the debut of, of two day three rookies who both of us are excited about, but they're, they're inexperienced. Well, you mentioned the, the way that the linebackers are going to be structured. I actually think it's the way that they have it is a good way to match up with their defensive line because up front on the defensive line, they're strong inside. You have Foley, you have Quinn and Williams, who on rundowns will probably be your duo. But on the edges, they're not as strong. Bryce Huff has had some issues against the run. Franklin Myers is average at best against the run. Um, they do have some problems against the run on the edge. Shaq Lawson's a good run, a good run defender if he does however long he plays. But those two other guys struggle a little bit. And then you also have, if Franklin Myers plays inside, he's undersized. Rankins isn't a great run defender. Um, so I think mostly on the edge can kind of compensate. Well, he's not necessarily playing on the edge, but he's going to be further outside and he can compensate a little bit for those guys on the edge. Whereas having Sherwood behind Foley and Quinn and Williams can help him a little bit with reading blocks and having more favorable situations to shoot inside and make plays. Um, but, but yeah, you're right. In addition to the receivers against the corners, McCaffrey against these young linebackers is a big mismatch. And it's not even something that's schematically complex. It's just when McCaffrey meets these linebackers, are they going to be able to tackle him? They're right. very small linebackers. They struggled or sure would struggled with missed tackles in the regular season or in the preseason. Yeah. Um, so it's just, are they going to be able to tackle him? And Which that's is weird big... because Sherwood was such a good tackle. I mean, obviously it's his, he was a safety, yeah. but that was like his best trait was his tackling in college, but you're right. He missed, especially in that Eagles game, missed a few pretty bad ones. Yeah. And a big part of, which is maybe, which maybe could help him in terms of tackling this aspect is, and Joe Blood has talked about this a lot in his film breakdowns, Sherwood. Um, he takes pretty good angles. He's a smart player. And you saw it on the, the Boston Scott touchdown in the last preseason game. He took a good angle and he got there. It's just the speed. He's not getting there fast enough. He lacks that athleticism. And even as a linebacker, converted safety he's still on a very unathletic for the position so that's something that's going to be hard to overcome but having those smarts is why I think they trust him to be that starting middle linebacker and I think shooting in the middle behind Quinn and behind Foley especially he could be able to survive there although his weight then is an issue at that point but I think on the edges when he has to pursue towards the sideline like you saw on that Boston Scott touchdown down the right sideline where he could be exposed for his lack of speed. So I do think the Panthers are really going to try to run to the outside, put pressure on. It's another way you can pressure the, cor- the young corners, make them have to come up, think about the run, make tackles, and pressure these young linebackers, especially Sherwood and his lack of speed. Um, but it's going to be a big part. Just can you finish tackles on McCaffrey, not give him extra? Because you want to get Darnold into those third and long situations, so you have to stop the run to do that. Um, and McCaffrey... In 2019, when McCaffrey was breaking tackles, when he had games where he broke at least four tackles in the run game, he averaged over six yards per carry. And if he's going to do that against the Jets, they're not going to be able to put Darnold in third and long. They're not going to be able to pin their ears back and get after him with the four-man rush. And he's going to have, I I won't say a field day. He could have a field day against this young secondary. Um, But if you make those tackles, you don't give McCaffrey anything extra. Um, back in 2019, when he had less than four broken tackles in the run game, he averaged 
a little bit over three yards per carry. And so if you're going to hold McCaffrey to that number, then you could quiet the run game, make Darnold beat you, put him into those predictable third and long situations, which is where he really struggled. Last season, Darnold on third down with six or more yards to go had the second he threw he threw for a first down or a touchdown in only 21% of those third and six plus situations. That was better than only Alex Smith among all qualified quarterbacks in the league. So you get him into, you stop the, you stop the run, make the tackles against McCaffrey, put Darnold into, into those situations. And I think you can succeed. And it all starts with nothing complex, nothing complicated, just Jamie Sherwood against Christian McCaffrey, CJ Mosley against Christian McCaffrey. Are they going to bring him down in three yards or are they going to get juked out and give him 10 more? It's right. that simple. I'm curious why long-term, why do you think, or sorry, why do you think that the Jets are putting CJ Mosley outside and not at Mike, even though he's calling the plays, he'll be wearing the green dot. Do you think it's a long-term thing where they think that that is the spot he has the best chance to succeed at past this year? Because it just seems like, you know, it was a foregone conclusion in our heads that he was going to be the Mike linebacker in this defense, especially with the drop weight. But do you think that they just feel like long-term he's a better fit on, on the strong side? I mean, I think it'll be interchangeable more so than just, you know, he'll always be over there. Sherwood will always be at the mic spot. Right, but, but Davis went down, so it's like he wasn't even – I don't know. It feels like they – I think you and I probably both assume that Mosley would be the Mike linebacker, and then especially if Davis were to go down, he'd be the Mike linebacker. But it's – I mean, obviously, the, like you said, they're going to rotate, but they play their base personnel a lot, and that'll have Jamie and Sherwood at Mike. Yeah, and, and I think maybe it could be coverage in terms of, you know, putting him on the tight end side so he can be more responsible for those tight end responsibilities than to take some pressure off of the young guys, off of Jared Davis, who's not great in coverage. Um, it could be that as well. Um, and also he is, you know, even slimmed down, still bigger than uh, Jamie Sherwood and Nazaldine, although, like you said, Jared Davis is a lot bigger than him. Um so it would make more sense, you would think, to play Davis over there and Mosley at Mike, which it doesn't seem like they're doing. But I think that could be part of it. But it'll be interesting to see exactly how this looks. because, And this, is, this goes for the whole depth chart because you look at the depth chart and you put guys in these per- certain positions where it's like, okay, Corey Davis X, Elijah Moore Z, Mosley Sam, Sherwood Mike. But football is, especially in the modern game and just more so every year, it's so rotational. There's so much movement and just changing things around within the game. It's never that simple. There's everyone plays a lot of different roles. So it will be interesting to see exactly what this looks like at linebacker. What kind of responsibilities will Mosley have? What kind of responsibilities will Sherwood have? Nazaldine. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how that kind of gets divvied up. And I think this is a good segue into our next segment. Only a few more things we want to talk about. But I want a prediction from you. Somebody who will have a bad game and somebody who will have a, maybe, I don't want to say surprise, just a good game. Somebody who will have a bad game, somebody who will have a good game that you're very confident in that you would put money on. Because the answer for my bad game would be Jamie and Sherwood. But, you know, I, I'm curious to see your, your takes first. So are we only going with surprisingly good and bad games? No, no, you know what? Just, just, go good, just good. Just okay. good. Well, I, I, yeah, okay. Just say good. I mean, to an extent. I want somebody kind of creative here, but. I, I, honestly, I think anybody would count here. I mean, even Quentin Williams. So go ahead. All right, one, all right. one, so I'll, I'll, the, I'll the avoid criteria is that you would put $100 on this right now. Okay. I, I actually do have a good one. I'm going to go with Corey Davis, which isn't, again, an amazing one, but 
I feel like not not enough people are talking about the fact that he has a good matchup in this game against J.C. Horn. And I granted, not everybody researches Corey Davis's stats against cornerbacks based on their height last season, but I did. And against cornerbacks <laughs> who were over six feet last season, he averaged almost 12 yards per target, which is absolutely insane and better than the best. The, the leader in that category last season, it's a league-leading caliber number. Um, he was very, very good. Again, he was dominant against tall, big cornerbacks last season, which you would, th- which isn't what you would think just based on the narrative that comes to your head first. You would think he's a big guy. He beats up on small corners, but it was actually the opposite. The bigger guys who are slower, he has the size to match up with them, and he has enough athleticism to expose their lack of athleticism, and he destroyed those guys. Whereas smaller corners, he wasn't as successful against. And Horn is a very big corner who who should have a great career. I think he's a great prospect. If the Jets were in that range and didn't need a quarterback, he would be a great prospect for them. I think he'll have a great career. But rookie cornerbacks struggle probably more than any other position besides quarterback. Doesn't, um, doesn't bode well for the 2022 Jets. Which doesn't bode well for the Jets at all, obviously, on their side. But it or, yeah, or right now. Yeah, I was, I was more so thinking long-term, considering you'd imagine the Jets should be drafting a corner next year. Yeah, but... So it doesn't apply. It, this applies to the Jets too. So, I, which I'm just gonna I'm gonna go back to, with my bad prediction. But it applies to even the top uh, prospects in the league. You look at Jeff Okuda last year, C.J. Henderson. Um, there are so many guys, even highly drafted ones, that weren't good. Uh, and I think that J.C. Horn will struggle in this game, being his first start against Corey Davis, who beats up big corners. Yeah, yeah I think Davis will have a huge game. As far as rookie corners go, Bryce Hall actually had a pretty solid season. yeah like, like Bryce Hall wasn't amazing last season he was probably an average starter maybe a little bit below and he was uh top three rookie corner maybe top five better than a lot much better than a lot of the guys in the first round so that just shows you how low the bar is for rookie corners they usually struggle even the ones who turn out to be really good so I think that that's a mismatch in the Jets favor yeah, I'm gonna go. I mean, Quinn and Williams is the obvious one. The, the yeah. Quinn and Williams pad offline matchup should should bode well for the Jets' favor. And you know, when they double team, then you have Sheldon Rankins coming through, or maybe it frees up an edge. But I'm gonna go with somebody a little bit less obvious. I mentioned earlier Ty Johnson, starting him in fantasy. I'm a big fan of this. I think that he's gonna have a big game. The return of Vera Tucker, obviously Mackay Becton. I just think the strength. Or the weakness of this Panthers defense, especially when they go to those, you know, dime looks, those three, three, five looks, uh, is running the football. Just take what they're giving you and just pound the rock. And I think Ty Johnson was the most effective runner, even though Tevin Coleman still listed as, as running back number one. I think Ty Johnson's gonna lead this this team in carries week one. And I think he's gonna do a good job. I think he's gonna score a touchdown or two and he's gonna get close to hundred yards. I think Ty Johnson's in for a big day. Um and maybe he'll steal some of the shine away from Zach Wilson. But if the Jets can run the ball effectively, like I think they will be able to in this game, Zach Wilson's going to have a nice game because they can build the play auction off of it. It's going to force the Panthers to come down to the box, get a little less exotic with their with their packages. Um, I think Ty Johnson's in, in store for a big game, especially it's going to be the first time we get to see Mekhi Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker next to each other, which hopefully can form one of the best left sides across the NFL. But uh, I'm, I'm so excited to watch uh, – those two play against each other and open up holes. Those two play next to each other and open up holes for Ty Johnson. I said the guy who I think is, is going to have a bad game. That's Jamie and Sherwood. No, no disrespect. I hope he has a good game. I just think that 
it's just a tough draw for him week one to be the Mike linebacker. He didn't enter the season as the Mike linebacker. He came at two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, and he's going to face one of the hardest running backs to cover in open field. And like you said, tackle an open field. It's just a tough draw for him. I, although I guess in, in passing situations, maybe Hamza would cover Christian McCaffrey. I, I guess it just depends on, on the personnel package, but I think Jamie Sherwood's in for, for a tough day. Um, and, you know, it's just there's just such an emphasis on being able to diagnose play action. One of the things I do think that the Jets will benefit from, these linebackers will benefit from, and it's something we've talked about in this podcast a lot, is because this defense and these linebackers, there's so much you know emphasis on them and they have to be able to read play action and diagnose um, plays really quickly. What's going to help him is Sam Darnold's such, so lazy with his play action attempts. And it, it, I watched in preseason, they did not fix that. I mean, he just bails it doesn't even look like a play action attempt and Zach Wilson. It's not like everything Zach Wilson touches turns to gold, which is how we're making it sound, but Sam Darnold, a lot sharper, a lot, a lot more convincing. Sam Darnold hasn't faked anybody with a, with the play action fake. You know, I think the best play action fake I've still seen to this day is, I mean, there's probably been other better ones, but my favorite one at least was week one, 2008. I don't think you were really watching yet. Week one, 2008, Brett Favre against the dolphins when he hit Jericho Cotter deep for a touchdown. I think that was his first touchdown. Go look that up. That play action is elite. That, that eight-year-old me was fooled. <laughs> that was, I think that was his first touchdown as a Jet. That's one of my favorite play actions of all time. That is a good play action. So there's some good – Baker Mayfield's good at play action. Sam Darnold is terrible at it. So because of that, he'll help the Jets linebackers out a little bit. And those are kind of the little things. And I guess obviously you want to answer your, your bad player. But those are kind of the little things that I think the Jets – will be able to pick up off of because Darn. I think d- the Jets have more intel on Darnold than Darnold has on the Jets because there's been so much turnover. It's a completely different scheme. I guess, yes, they have James Morgan, but the Jets have seen this player every day for three years. And I don't think you can, I don't think we should minimize that. I mean, there are a considerable amount of defensive players still on this team between Marcus Mann, Quentin Williams, and John Franklin Myers and CJ Mosley that have seen Sam Darnold practice day in and day out and know what he's good at and, more importantly, know what he's bad at. And so those are one of the tendencies that they, they, they'll pick up on. I mean, Sam Darnold did not have many great training camp practices against this this unit. So I think that's something to, to consider. So, yeah, Michael, your player who you think will have a, a bad game, and then, yeah, maybe touch on the fact that before we get out of here, the, touch, uh, the, the fact that the Jets have that intel on Darnold and how that might play into the game. Yeah, I agree with you. And I feel like that's something people aren't, that's a great point. If people aren't talking about it enough, I feel like there's a lot more people leaning into, oh, this is a Darnold revenge game. He's going to go off. than they are going with the logical thing, which is, you know, that also means he's going against a lot of players who've seen this guy play a lot of football up close. Whereas from his side, he doesn't know this defense. I mean, he played against Robert Sala's defense last year um, and scored 10 points and got blown out. But the Jets know a lot about him. These well, it's like, yeah, what te- he's not picking up Quinn and Williams' tendencies as yeah. much as you know what I mean. Exactly. So I and think the DBs are all different. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to be said about that, and and it's still minor either way. It's not a, a huge impact. I think but- it kind of. I I think it's. I'm I'm on the fence about who's going to win this game, and it is kind of swaying me in the Jets' yeah. favor that because nobody's it, talking it about is, it. It they, is big. I'm just saying, you know, it's not necessarily. Uh, an enormous thing but right. big okay just varying degrees of bigness i guess but I, I guess with my pick for who's going to struggle in this game and i love just 
We're just talking about this game. I love this player. I think he's going to have a good season um, and a good career. But I think this is his first game. He didn't play it all in the preseason. And he has a, a good, talented player in front of him. I, I'm going to go with Elijah Vera Tucker. I think Interesting. against Derek Brown, who had a very Quinn and Williams-like rookie season where he wasn't necessarily amazing right off the bat, but he improved throughout the year, showed flashes of his talent as a top pick. Um, I think he's going to break out this year. And in his first game against a guy in Vera Tucker who hasn't gotten a chance to play any real live reps yet, I think he could make some plays. I'm, I'm In the passing game, I think Brown will get him a couple times for some big pressures uh, in the run game though. I do. I do think Vera Tucker will play well next to Beckton. In, in, um, in fairness, Quinnen didn't really break out until week two. So maybe, maybe he can hold his breakout in one more week. Yeah, that'd be good. But I, I just wanted to go with a different one, you know, instead of like, Oh, the young corners, the young linebackers. Right. Okay. I think it's but fair. I, I think that's one that could happen, but I do think he will be successful in the run game. And I think the jets are, I like your Ty Johnson pick for the good player a lot because his success last year with the Jets was mostly on outside runs and the Jets are going to be outside heavy this year in the run game. And this is Panthers defense that struggled a lot against the run last season and still have issues in that phase on paper. And it mostly stems on the outside. Like they said, their edge rushers are fantastic pass rushers, but the run defense isn't amazing. And their guys in the secondary were the primary reason for their struggles against the run last year. And a lot of those guys are back. Their safeties, Justin Burris and Jeremy Chin, were among the lowest graded run defenders in the league last season. Um, so I think getting Johnson to the outside, I think Becton and Vera Tucker will be doing a great job getting to the second level against those guys, pinning the edge defenders inside, creating room for Ty Johnson. I think Vera Tucker will be good in the run game. I can see Derek Brown getting him in the passing game a couple times, though. All right, Michael, the moment we've all been waiting for. I want one game prediction and one final score prediction. The game prediction could be anything. It could be stat line, player-wise. I would say uniform combo, except we already know that. It could be anything relating to the game. We've, we've known for months what the uniform combo Yeah, we figured be, it out. Because hey, we're uniform my, yeah. nerds. We we're know uniform buffs for uniforms. sure. We know the Panthers wear all white week one every time. So Exactly. Uh, and there was no chance the Jets were going to wear black. In September or green on green in a season over yeah. on the road. They're, they're going to wear all white next week though against New England. That you think so? Um, yes, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think that'll be their. I think that'll be it. Yeah. Okay. One game prediction. One final score prediction. Hit me, Michael. All right, I'll, I'll go with an offensive prediction. Let's actually let's do, the, let's do the game prediction first. All right. I'm going to go with. I, I'm so on the fence about whether the Jets will win this game. I, I feel like I've been a little. Jets bias with some of my analysis analysis talking about this game. But I, I have I did write a whole article on mismatches the Panthers have over the Jets. I feel like I've been pretty balanced. I think this is an even matchup. I really do. Um I but I think the the Jets defensive line's edge over the offensive line is gonna be the dip Panthers offensive line is gonna be the difference. Uh, I think the Jets will take this twenty six to twenty. That's that's a nice that's a nice prediction. And as far I I screwed you up there. I said game prediction. I meant like the you know oh something else. But okay, go ahead. I, I like the score prediction. I'll give mine in a second. But give them both. Oh, you prediction outside me. of the score. <laughs> okay. No, you you say your score prediction. Okay. Then we'll do our game. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give some sort of reasoning for this. I I do think it's gonna be a really close game. And I always go with the Jets. 
and I, I, I keep flipping back and forth. I'm still very optimistic. I'll say this. I'm pretty confident that win or lose, I think there's going to be a lot of good things to come out of this game. I don't think it's going to be like last year's week one where you're going to be like, wow, this team is terrible. I think you might be like, wow, this defense is going to be pretty bad, but Zach Wilson looked good in the offense moved the ball. I think it's going to be something like that. I do think it's going to be a close game. I do think the Jets are going to get after Sam Darnold, and I think it's uh, – I think that their defense might give up some yards, but they're going to create a lot of turnovers, or maybe I shouldn't say a lot. They're going to create some turnovers. They're going to hold them in the red zone, so I think the Panthers are going to be kicking a lot of field goals. So I'll give the Panthers 23 and the Jets – oh, I'm going to do it. 24. 24-24. Oh, I, both, that was, that was a both, twist. I felt like you were leading sense. to the Panthers win the entire time. I, I want to you – know, You know, the, the driving force for me behind picking the, the Jets is I, I've actually kind of felt like the Panthers will win, but I feel like looking at – because I don't – think it's fair to say they'll start out 2-0. So, I think looking at the Panthers... Okay, that's not how you should do this no, at listen, all. That's no, a horrible listen, justification. No, 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 no. I looked at the schedule. I thought this one was a better win for them. That I I feel like it's kind of a fair way it's to do terrible. it. No, terrible. I, I gave you judge a, it game by game. And based see. on the matchup, I, I provided that. I okay, do think... That's, uh, ignore him. That's horrible. <laughs> you, do, you should do it game by game and then just see what they come out with. You shouldn't like pick a record number okay, in your well, head. What I was going to say is I think that the Patriots more this is more so me just saying I'm not being biased is I think the Patriots game in week two is a more likely loss because of New England's offensive line and how okay but that's not how that works that just means the Jets will be I I understand what you're saying I understand what you're saying I'm more so just saying it to be like I'm not being biased okay all All right well I yeah I I went back and forth in this one and we're we're optimists I think here's here's part of it if the Jets win this damn game if they beat Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson on the road and Matt Rule too, we can lump him in there. Don't let and him get, Frankie Lubu. And Justin Burris. And Pat <laughs> There's somebody and James else. James Morgan. James Morgan. Yeah, screw James Morgan. Um, if the Jets beat him, that week two home opener that you and I are both going to be there, I mean, that might be one of the loudest we've heard MetLife. We haven't heard many times MetLife has been very loud. It's normally the home opener because the rest of the season's been such a letdown, but. I think that'll rival some of MetLife's loudest games. Yeah. And so I so desperately want that. And that's not, and I, as I just criticized you for some stupid reason for picking the Jets, I do actually think the Jets have a legitimate path to victory here. I think the offense is going to move the ball against this defense. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. I think it's going to be, you know, am I going maybe in the more optimistic side of things? I could certainly see the Panthers winning. I'll put it this way. I'm like 55 40 at this point but it comes down to really what swayed me if i'm being honest is the jets intel on sam darnold they know this quarterback like the back of the back of their hand and i don't think sam darnold is that good and although he is the weapons he doesn't have the offensive line and i think that's going to be the difference maker so you can have christian mccaffrey you can have dj Moore, and robbie anderson but sam darnold plus a bad offensive line no bueno so um, 24, 23, which might be a little high, honestly, I, I could maybe d- bump that down a little bit, but I do think it's going to be a barn burner. And I think the, the reasoning still stands. That I think Donald's going to have a few turnovers. I think it's going to be a field goal slugfest and, you know, something like that for, for the Panthers, at least. I think the jets are going to move the ball. As far as my game prediction, I'll go Corey Davis gets a red zone touchdown and you know what? 
I'm going to give Corey Davis two. Uh, I was going to say give Corey Davis two touchdowns. I'm going to say Corey Davis gets a red zone touchdown and Ty Johnson gets two touchdowns. So if we're going to stay in line with my predictions, we'll, we'll cap it at that. So Zach Wilson throws for one touchdown, it being Corey Davis, the red zone. Ty Johnson carries the Jets with two touchdowns. Michael? Okay. So I'll go I'll go um, one on defense. I'll say the Jets. I I think the Jets will get three sacks in this game, at least three sacks. Um, Who gets them? I, um, all right. I think Quinnen will get one. I think we will see one from Bryce Huff. And I don't think we'll see like a defensive back kind of sack because I don't think they're going to be blitzing a lot in this game. So I think we'll get, I'll get one from Quinnen, one from Huff, and one from Sheldon Rankins. I like it. I like it. Are we being too optimistic? Let us know. Tweet us at CYJ Pod. You got a whole day. We're being a little optimistic. I, I keep going back. Great reasons. We, we get, have, okay, but the Panthers could give some good reasons as well, starting with their receivers versus their our corners and Christian McCaffrey versus our linebackers and, and Derek Brown and Brian Burns and you know and it's an exotic defense. It's a hard one. It's a defense that stifled Aaron Rodgers. So never the less. They also I, got lit up by Drew Law. Okay, I like that. What, did that. what point of the season did that happen? Was that early in the season? Uh, I'm actually checking the schedule right now, so don't act, I'm not acting like I know. Uh, okay, it, was, it was actually the game before the Packers game. And we okay, I them. like it. I'm back on board. Jets are winning this one. I'm going back and forth. Let's put it this way. Um, no matter what happens, I think, I think we're going to have some positives, specifically in the offensive side of the ball. And look, we've seen a lot of great – I shouldn't even say great. We've seen a lot of good, competent Jets defenses on bad teams. It's time to see some good, competent Jets offenses on maybe a bad team. That's that's all I really care about. Offense is pretty much all I care about this year. Um, the defense, they have a whole offseason to work on that. All right, tweet us to see what Pod with your predictions. Let us know if we're being up. too optimistic. I don't even want to read the YouTube comments because they're obviously going to be so mean. Um, speaking of YouTube, you can follow the Jets. You can subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube channel. Find all our podcasts and other great Jets X Factor content up there, as well as going to the Jets X Factor site. Use our code on DraftKings. Cool your Jets. Um, uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. And I think that's oh, follow Michael, Michael underscore Nanny, and myself, Ben W. Blessington. That is all. Michael, last words. Next, next time we'll do a podcast, we'll know we'll have actual Jets football to discuss regular season Jets football to discuss. So this is exciting. So your last words of the off season hit me. This is quite the off season. I feel like uh, how, what do you think of the speed of this off season? Does this feel unusually long to you? Regular speed? I was completely content with the speed because I feel like it was really long. Last off season felt so long to me. And part of it was just because, in the back of my head, I was like, we're going to have to deal with another year. Like, it just kind of felt like the Jets – it was like kind of that catch-22 where it's like, I guess I want them to lose because I don't want Gase to be here. So it, just, it felt so long because it was like I'm waiting for this thing and I'm not even that excited because it's like I – th- I didn't think the Jets were going to be that bad, but it's like I can't really cheer for them to really start developing because I want Gase out of here and maybe you want the higher pick. And, and then there was a preseason game. So this one, it's like – I've thoroughly enjoyed every step of the way yeah. for this Jets offseason that I, I think I'm, I'm more excited for this Jets, this opener since I mean, I was pretty excited for 2018 week one, Darnold's debut, I guess, but 2019, we were pretty high. Oh, tw- yeah. What am I saying? 2019 was pretty high. 
I don't know. I'm excited. Football is fun. I mean, when the Jets are four and thirteen, it won't be fun. But no, they're not going to be four and thirteen. I'll give a record prediction. Can I give a record prediction? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Ah, uh, uh, this. I feel like this is going to sound too optimistic. All right, I'll, I'll dial it down one win. I'll go seven and ten. I feel like that's realistic. You're going to give them eight wins. I was. I think. I, I think six to eight is is where they'll end up. I I do. I think seven is a safe bet. I think six is even safer. I think the over-under in Vegas is six and a half. And with Carl Lawson, I would have taken the over. I don't know if I would take that risk yet. But they're going to be right around. It's honestly a great placement for them. I think they'll be right around there. But the Jets have done such a good job setting themselves up for the future. So it's just time to start developing the, the players, the talent on the field, have some guys take some strides, look like a professional team and then you go all next off season to really you know you know gussy this whole thing up and, and then i think next year's a, a year they can really take a big leap but this year it's all about watching the development of the players and who knows maybe maybe they'll make a surprise run you never know all right michael let's get out of here everybody we will be back on monday right michael you're not gonna you're not gonna bail this time uh, all right i i did bail for two days this was on me this week yeah, so. it's normally on me. I'm normally the flake here, but we'll be back on Monday. You you are at the game though, so maybe it'll be a late night recording. So we'll see. If the Jets I, I, lose, I'm, I'm gonna get it done. We're gonna we're gonna be unless here. the Jets lose, in which case you won't hear from us for about another week. Uh, that reminds me of 2019. <laughs> 2019 was a brutal year for our podcast schedule. After after they lost the Bills game, I retired from Twitter for like a month. I forgot about that. Yeah, you walked away. We didn't really get on our podcast grind until like March of 2020. Like right around COVID is when we really started to churn them out. But before that, yeah, it was pretty much how we were feeling. Like I think we did one right before the Bills game. And then I think maybe the Browns game. And then we didn't do another one until the Cowboys game. And then I think like, then it was like the draft. (laughs) (laughs) Like free agency or something. All right. Well, we're back. Michael, thank you to everybody who's been listening. This has been a great off season for us um, as a podcast. We've grown so much and we've had a lot of fun doing these. Now time to talk about some actual football. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Jets, stay safe, and let's go demolish from Sam Darnold. This is where I would throw in the I'm seeing go soundbite, but the, the production quality is, is way too low. So go Jets.